Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin-church.org. And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's word today. Last week, we started a new series called You're Invited. And if you remember, we talked about uh, what difference does it make? And we were talking about the the power of an invitation, and we talked about how most of us, our lives have been probably radically changed by someone's invitation. Some of those changes were for the bad, and some of those were for the good, hopefully, right? All because somebody said, hey, come along. And we, uh, we, we gave the challenge that you would invite four people to, to Renaissance Church. So we have some cards in all the chairs, and we would love for you to take those cards with you. Just take them home with you, throw, you know, throw them in your Bible. My, uh, my sixth grader this week is my, the one that is normally out there shaking your hands on Sunday morning. He gave away all four of his invite cards this week, and it was like, way to go, it's awesome. And so this is for every age, okay? This is, you know, every age can be a part of this. And we're just challenging us to invite people to to come to know Jesus. Um, This week, I want to talk about who cares. That's the title of my sermon, who cares. I mean, what a great title for a sermon, right? Who cares? Um, Who cares about these invites that we're talking about? Who cares about our our invitations? I was reading this week that the average American is exposed to 4,000 to 10,000 marketing messages per day. Wow. Like, we don't even know it. We're numb to it. But, like, we are surrounded by marketing all the time, everywhere you go, if you're on social media, they're feeding you things. Like they know that I've been searching for shoes online. And so my feed is just shoes. It's like leather shoes. And I'm just having like shoe lust. I'm having to deal with that. Okay. With the Lord, right? It's we're, we're, we're just bombarded with messages to go there and to buy that. It's all around us. And of course, all of us are busy people, right? We have probably work and family and house upkeep and all the stuff that fills our lives. And my hunch is that most of us are invitation weary, right? We're, we're kind of weary of marketing. We're weary of people saying, hey, go here, go there. We're, we're tired of all the things that we're bombarded with. We're invitation weary. I I have a sign that uh, my my neighbor has this posted outside of his house. It says, no soliciting. We found Jesus. We know who we're voting for. We love our vacuum, right? And we gave it the office. Seriously, unless you're selling Thin Mints, right? Girl Scout cookies are always welcome. But beyond that, like no soliciting, please leave, right? And that's how we feel because we're so weary of people trying to get us to do stuff and go places and buy their stuff. Um, 
And probably all of us are thinking, if I were to invite somebody, would they even care? Would they even want me to invite them to something? Um, who enjoys having Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses knock on their door? Nobody likes that, right? And we don't want to be those people, right? I understand who cares. And today I just want to look at a, a passage of scripture from Luke chapter 14. If you have a copy of the Bible, if you want to go there with me, we're going to have it on the screen for you as well. Luke chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 15. This is a parable of Jesus. In a parable, it's a short, simple story that teaches or, or explains an idea. And Jesus has gone to, uh, he's gone at the invitation of a leading Pharisee to have lunch at his house on a Sabbath day. And sitting in front of Jesus in the middle of this meal, there is a man whose body is swollen with fluid, what we would call edema, right? So he's swollen with fluid and Jesus heals the man, right? So that's, that's amazing. And all the Pharisees are kind of like watching him and he begins to tell these parables and he tells a parable right before this about taking the lowest seat. Like when, when you go to a wedding or to a, a dinner or something, take the lowest seat because it's, it's really humbling when you've taken the high seat and the master says, hey, you, you need to move down lower, right? So he gives this incredible truth that, that we talk about all the time. Whoever exalts themselves will be humbled, but whoever humbles themselves will be exalted, right? And then he follows it up with this parable. Here's what he says. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is queued up. He's like, oh. Then he told him, a man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited, come, because everything is now ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And another said, I just got married. Therefore, I'm unable to come. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his servant, go out quickly into the streets in alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, maimed, blind, and lame. Verse 22, master, the servant said, what you ordered has been done and there's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those people who were invited will enjoy my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. So Jesus 
is giving a parable and it's a word picture that you and I can kind of like play the movie in our mind. We can, we can kind of go into the parable and the question is, what does it mean? Like what, 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 what's the connection to the people that he's talking to and what's the connection to us? And so just picture it with me, right? Here's a man throwing a large banquet and when you look at the original language, it literally is like mega dinner, it's a formal occasion and just, you know, the, this could sort of lose its power on us. But these people, when they went home at night, they had like a candle or a lamp, maybe a scroll in the house somewhere. They had their family, but they didn't have Netflix, right? They, they, they didn't have um, all the stuff that we have. And so to be invited to one of these occasions was a big deal. And everybody would want to be a part of this big dinner, this mega dinner. So he's throwing this dinner. And the question is, who is represented in the story? So who's the master? God, right? The master is God. He's the father. He's, he's prepared this massive dinner. And this dinner, this banquet, is a picture of the heavenly celebration. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I just want to say, how cool is it that when the Bible talks about heaven, it speaks of a celebration, of a feast, a dinner, uh, like joyful celebration, dancing, like this beautiful picture. Did you know that God throws the best parties? He throws the best parties. I mean, I cannot wait for that day to, to be there around the table. Like just, oh, beautiful. So we have the master, we have the banquet, and then we have the house. He's inviting them to a place, and the house clearly is, it's where the party is going down. It's, it's where the banquet's happening, and it's a picture for us of God's kingdom, right? He's telling us something about his kingdom. He's always illustrating his kingdom. So the question is, who's the servant? Who's the servant? Are you the servant? As I studied it this week, here's what I believe this means. I believe that Jesus is the servant who's been sent to tell everyone it's ready. The time is now. Last week, I said that you and I, we're invited, and when you become an invitee, you become an inviter. Okay, so are we servants? Yes, we're, we're servants, but the servant is Jesus. And you and I, we join in the work of Jesus as fellow servants, as the scripture calls us, co-laborers with Christ. But the first thing that I want you to notice about the picture that Jesus is painting is the master's insistence that the banquet be filled. In fact, it's the, the first point for us today. Jesus illustrates God's great desire to fill his house. 
I mean, as, as we consider who cares, right? We're, we're not sure if they care. They, they might have the sign on their door and you invite them to church and they're like, they just point to the sign, like, please leave, right? <laughs> or you might not even be sure that, you're not even sure that you care, okay? But I think what Jesus is making so clear for us is that the Father cares about the invitation. He invited many. And there's this moment in verse 23 where he uses this strong language and it says, make them come in. Like go out even further and make them come in. In fact, the King James Version, it, it translate, translates that as compel. And there is a terrible part of church history where uh, pastors, Christian leaders, priests were taking that verse and they were actually coercing people into Christianity. They were forcing them to believe and they used that as their proof text. He said to compel them. And that's not what that's illustrating for us. We're not supposed to go and coerce people into Christianity. Hello? Okay. We're, we're not doing that. Renaissance Church. If that was your plan, please change your plan. Right? That's not what this means. It's kind of like what I, what I think of is like my grandmother. My grandmother, she's in her 90s now. And we used to go to their house every Sunday night and she would make this big dinner. And my, that side of the family is like full-blooded German. And we would sit around the table and she would have so much stuff. And it's like, it was more than you could fit on your plate. And then you wouldn't get like, you know, something that she had made. And then she would just look around the place and be like, Chris, I noticed you didn't get any green beans. They're real good green beans. I, you know, we, we, we made all this food for you guys. And, and don't you want some green beans? And you're like, if I wanted green beans, I would have put them on my plate. But I didn't say that, right? Because like, that would be rude. And I'm like, oh, no, Grandma, I'm fine. Are you sure? I mean, you want to be big and strong, right? You, you want to be big and strong. And like, you, you really need to eat. These, you, you need to put some on your plate, right? And she was literally compelling me to eat the green beans. And that's like what the word means. It's, it's to repeatedly to, to go back and be like, no, are you sure? You've heard? You've heard about Jesus? You've heard about what he's done? Like, are, are you sure you don't want that? And you're, are you sure you don't? It's just to eagerly, to earnestly, repeatedly invite someone. And it shows us the Father's deep desire his deep desire that the banquet is filled. It's his heart. Luke 16, verse 16, Jesus says here, the law and the prophets were until John, John the Baptist. We talked about that last week. But since then, the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed and everyone, get this, is urgently invited to enter it. I was um, reminded of Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. And this is God speaking to his prophet Ezekiel and he's making him a watchman over the house of Israel. And he tells them, he tells Ezekiel to tell them, as I live, this is the declaration of the Lord God. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked 
but rather that the wicked person should turn from his way and live. Repent, repent of your evil ways. Why will you die, house of Israel? And you hear the heart of God again, like, I don't want to judge you. Like, I want to bring you in to the banquet. Like, please turn around. Urgently inviting them into the kingdom. And I think it's so easy for us to misunderstand the heart of God. That to think of him, of him as being calloused to the condemnation of people. He is not. He cares more than you and I could ever care about his invitation. He's not a God who keeps a professional distance from, from the sufferings of humanity. But rather, as John 3 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And then the verse after it says, he did not send him into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Meaning God's heart is this, I wanna save, I wanna rescue, I'm, I'm extending the invite. Everyone is urgently invited. I care so much. And I think the question for us is this, if God cares so much about the invitations, do we? Do we care? The second thing I want you to notice in the story that Jesus tells is the differing responses to the invitations. And as we consider the question, who cares? Clearly, not everyone who was invited cared, right? In verse 18 through 20, we get these kind of the, the excuses. The, the original invitees were making excuses. And back in that time period, when they would have a large banquet, they would set the day. They would let everyone know like way in advance, like what day it's going to be on. But they didn't have clocks and, you know, watches and stuff. And so on the day of the celebration, they would send the servant out and the servant would say like, now. It's ready. Come on. And so that was their cue. And so this is the moment where like literally we, we've said this is coming. We've told you it's coming. Now it's here. Are you ready? And it says the, the first one said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. The second one says, um, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to go test drive them. And here's the thing. Nobody in their right mind would ever buy a field and then go look at it. And nobody in their right mind would ever buy five yoke of oxen and then go test drive them. That would be utterly foolish. Which means that what's really happening is that they're doing what we do when we make excuses. Have you ever made an excuse in your life? I'm sure you have, right? Yeah, me too. I, uh, I, I think of the classic one when a young man asks a young lady out, but she's not really interested in the young lady, and she says, I have to wash my hair this weekend, <laughs> right? And after I wash it, I'm probably gonna have to dry it and comb it. It could be hours. There's no way I could go, right? Or the classic one, we are kids back in school, it's this, the dog ate my homework, right? 
And I, I heard a twist or read a, a, a twist on this one. There was a teacher who took all of her papers home to grade. And in the middle of grading, she got hungry, decided to go out to get a bite to eat. She had a puppy in the house. She forgot to kennel the puppy. The dog literally jumped up on the table, ate all of the students' homework, and she got to go to her class and say, the dog ate your homework. And I'm sure there was great rejoicing that day in her classroom. <laughs> We all make excuses. And we do it because we just don't want to. Just don't want to. We, we, we make excuses because we are unwilling. That's the first kind of person that his story illustrates us. The ones that were unwilling. The third person makes an excuse is like, I just got married, so, you know, can't come, which is to take something that would be good and to use it to cover up the fact that you never wanted to go anyways. And Jesus is speaking to religious leaders who are going to reject him. They're ones that know the prophets. They're the ones that know the day's coming, the Messiah is coming. We've told you in advance, he's coming. Then he comes and he says, it's ready. And they're like, Mm, busy this weekend, washing my hair, dog ate my homework, can't go. The second kind of person that it illustrates is found in verse 21 and 22. So the servant comes back and reports these things to the master and the master gets angry. And he tells him, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. And the second kind of person is the humble and the hurting. These are my kind of people. This is us, many of you here. You came to the Lord because you knew there was something in you that was so broken or so missing or you just, you have such a story in your life where you just knew like, I need Jesus. I, I have to have him. And these are these kind of people, the humble and the hurting. And what I love about it is they must have just come right in. They did care. Because they, the, the servant apparently has no problem and he goes back to him and says, what you have said has been done. They just came right in. And I think of Jesus going from village to village and town to town and the people who had illnesses and who had children who were struggling or who had, you know, evil spirits or, or they needed healing. It's like they're coming to Jesus in droves. The humble and the hurting are just saying like, yes. We need you. And they come right in. I uh, remember years ago, there was this thing going around called cardboard testimonies. Have you ever seen that before? A cardboard, a cardboard testimony where the, the people in the church, they, they write on one side like what they were and on the other side, it's like what they are now in Christ, right? And you know, the, a guy comes up and it's like addicted to pornography, and it's like pure in Christ on the other side, right? A, a, a woman walks up and she says like, gripped by an eating disorder, boom, like fully loved by my father on the other side. It's just like this beautiful picture of people that are humble and hurting. 
And then there's a third kind. Verse 23. Go out into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. These are the people that are the unsuspecting. They didn't know there was a banquet. They didn't know if they should or should not care about a banquet. They're just now hearing about this kind of thing. And when they hear it, it's like they need to be convinced because they literally have no context for what you're talking about. The highways and the hedges. These people would need to be compelled. And and what I want you to notice is that each time the master expands the invitation. There's the original, you know, invitees. They're too busy. It's like, let's just go to the lame and the blind and the maimed and, and all the, the, the poor, the humble and the hurting. Let's bring them in. Oh, they're in. Great, great. There's, there's still room. And he goes again. It's like, I want you to go out into the highways and hedges. Every single time he's expanding the invitation until everyone is included. And that's the second thing that Jesus illustrates is that everyone is invited. Everyone. Everyone's invited. And probably every one of you knows the pain of not being invited to something. Social media has actually made that like way more prevalent where you like all your friends are together and you see it and you're like, thanks guys. Right? Thanks for the text message that you never sent me to tell me y'all were hanging out. And everyone's felt that before. And I just want you to know that the kingdom of God is not like that. If you've, if you've felt on the outside, like the outcast, the, the, if you felt rejection, I want you to know that the invitation is for you. You're invited. Everyone is invited. God's great desire is to fill his house. There's one phrase that just leapt off the page as I was reading it this week. It's in verse 22. The master, master, the servant said, what you ordered has been done and there's still room. In that phrase, there's still room. It just grabbed me. Because as I look at our church, as I look at our community, there's still room. Um, when we first planted the church four and a half years ago, I walked into here and I would see the chairs set up and I'd be like, wow, this is awesome. Look at all this space. Honestly, when I come in to help on Sunday mornings to help set up, I look around the room and I'm like, this is too small. It's too small. Like the harvest is so plentiful And the workers are so few. And I'm just telling you, there's still room. There's still room. In a five-mile radius, there are about 200,000 people. And the last numbers that I read years ago when we planted was that 60% of those people were either unreached or disconnected from any type of religious group of any kind, meaning about 120,000 people within a five-mile radius of this piece of ground right now are unreached or disconnected. 
there is still room. I was thinking of this song. It's a bit of a 90s flashback by Audio Adrenaline. It's called Big House. Do, do we have any people who went to camp, summer camp in the 90s? Or maybe you served at a su summer camp in the 90s? Come and go with me to my father's house. Anyway, come and go with me to my father's house. It's a big, big, there were hand motions, house with lots and lots of rooms. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. I don't know. A big, big yard where we can play football. A big, big house. It's my father's house. Cheesy, right? So cheesy and so true. There's still room. A big house. Lots of space. And as I'm imagining the word picture that Jesus paints, I'm picturing the servant bringing the humble and the hurting to their place in the banquet, right? He's, he's helping them in to the banquet, and he's just looking at these long tables with empty chairs, and he just knows the master's not going to be satisfied with this. And I just wonder as the servant goes to tell the master, hey, it's all been done for you, but there's still room. I just wonder if there's something in him that's almost like a little bit, mm, sheepish about it because he's like there's like still lots of room in there like i don't even want you to go out there and see it because there's so much room it's going to be almost embarrassing okay there's so much room like we've got to do something and the master's like yes go into the highways and hedges and compel them like get them to come in and he says so that my house may be what full The third thing that Jesus illustrates, there's plenty of room. Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus is telling them about what's gonna happen in the last days. Very important for you to read these parts of the Bible, by the way. It says, the good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Meaning, the plan of God is that the invitation is going to go out to every single human being on planet Earth, and the end will not come until that has happened because he wants the house to be filled. Right now, the invitation is spreading across Hindu nations. Our partners in Pakistan, in India, are telling us like whole villages are on fire because Hindu, um, you know, Hindu mobs are being sort of stirred up and they're going and they're killing Christians and they're burning houses and they're burning churches because they're trying to stamp out the invitation in communist, atheistic countries right now, the invitation is going out and it's going out like wildfire. And guess what's happening? Churches are being shut down. Pastors are being imprisoned. People are being persecuted because they do not want the invitation going out. Remote tribes are hearing the invitation. Why? Because there's still room. And there are places at the table that have a person's name on it, and God will not stop until every place is filled. 
So who cares? The Father cares. You might care a little bit. And I've been so convicted this week about my lack of care. Like I don't have anywhere near the care of God about the invitation going out. And I don't know if people who are out there care, but I want us to know that the Father cares. As you look around this room and you see empty chairs, right, just look down your row right now. Look, just look around. There's still room. And if those fill up, we're going to add more chairs. You know why? So we can say, there's still room. And so as we close, the first thing I want to ask is this. Have you received the master's invitation? You need to know Jesus loves you so much. He literally laid down his life on a cross, let Roman soldiers crucify him, beat him to where he was unrecognizable, pierce him to that beam and lift him up into the air so that he would die for you. Like that's how much God cares about you coming into the kingdom. And if you've, maybe you've been invited here today or you've been around church your whole life, but you've never received the invitation of the Father, I just want you to know, like, that's for you. He loves you so much. And I know you might be like the first person, it's like, I'm just so busy. <laughs> or maybe other things have been more important to you. But maybe there's something in you that's recognizing like, oh, wow, I need this. I need this. So I just want to invite you to Jesus. The way that we receive that invitation is, is we repent and believe. It's to turn, to turn away from our, our life of sin, to turn away from the pursuits that we've been on in our sinful ways and to trust in Christ, to believe in him, that he is Lord and Messiah, that he is the one who died for us, that forgives us. And it's to literally to put your trust in him. And it's, that is how you receive the invitation. I just want you to know like that's for you today. If you've never made that decision, this is for you to receive Christ. The second response or the second question is simply, do you care about what the Father cares about? He wants his house to be filled, and there's still room. And do you care about that? We've been issuing this challenge that we would take these cards. I have some up here. We have uh, two versions of it. It's the same exact thing. And uh, there's a postcard size that just says, you're invited. And on the back, it's got a little uh, QR code that, that takes them to um, kind of our digital uh, sort of place that takes you to all the things that you would ever need to know about Renaissance Church. We have the same thing on these business cards. It says, you're invited. And this is just a tool you can use to extend the invitation to let somebody know how much God loves them. And I want to encourage you to pray about who are four different people that I could invite. You might have to compel some of them. You might need to give four cards to the same person, but then like find some other people that you can invite to, okay? I don't want you just inviting the same person four times and then not inviting anyone else. Like find four unique 
invites. And the reason why is that every time you do it, you're going to grow. Your faith is going to grow. Every time we take one of these baby steps of faith, it's like there's, there's spiritual growth that happens. And so I'm challenging every one of us, myself included, to invite four people this fall. It's not marketing, it's mission. We're echoing the invitation of God. Have you heard? You're invited to. The master wants everyone to know. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rin-church.org.